0: God of revival. Have it out. God of revival. La-da-ta. Well, I really feel like tonight is uh, significant. I really feel like uh, this uh, evening is significant because we, uh, I felt, if I could just be honest with you, uh, the, I, I felt pressure. I felt really, I felt a lot of uh, weight, um, which is, I, I love your age group, honestly. I really, I really mean that. I, I, uh, I do a lot of adult things uh, as well, um, but in, I don't feel the weight. Well, I was here last week, and it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous what God was doing. But with the older generation, if I were just to share my heart with you, I always, I, I, listen, I've, I'm always honest with you. I hope you can see my face. Can you see me okay? I've always been honest with you. With your, with my age group, your parents' age group, I feel like when, when church is there, it's not with everybody. But there is a level of... Um, We've already got it all figured out. There's your typical Sunday morning crowd where people kind of show up on Sunday and that's about it. But those who come to the services, it's almost like there's this phrase, preaching to the choir. You know, you're, it's almost like a form of, not entertainment, you know, it's, it's different. I don't know how to put it into words, but when here with you, I feel like there's life transformation hanging in the balance. I really feel that. And so when I come here, I have like Monday night, Tuesday morning, Tuesday night, I was having trouble sleeping. I mean, it was weighty. We have people all over the nation praying for this service, honestly, literally, all truth. But today I woke up and the Lord said we're we're uh, we're moving on. I want you to focus, Jeremiah, on those who want to be different. I'm just going to be honest with you. I believe there are moments in your life and dude, you can come to know the Lord and be changed and transformed any day. But there's a consequence for not responding to Jesus. There's this passage in Romans chapter 1. It's so interesting. There's so many people I meet who just don't read the Bible. I don't read it. I can't read it. I don't understand it. I don't buy that. You're intelligent. The Bible is like a sixth grade reading level. Come on. You don't want to read it. It's not a priority in romans chapter 1 verses 18 to the end of the chapter god said after i brought conviction you know what conviction is all conviction is is god exposes please hear me i know sometimes we check out so you you can have permission to check out at times but hear me conviction means god reveals the area of your life that he's putting his finger on and you know exactly what that is you can't run from that and if you say no he hands you over to that. And says, Help yourself. There's a consequence to that. I'm telling you, in the name of Jesus, don't miss your moment. Having said that, I was talking with uh, Gary before the service. He's your, our director. I was talking with uh, several of the counselors and uh, came out in prayer. When God exposes the area of your life that he wants to change, it's hard. It's oftentimes traumatizing. And and I, I prepare myself for anger. In fact, you know what my knee-jerk reaction is? When God, every major transition, major movement of his life, my initial reaction is no. And sometimes Christians want to look at you and say, ah, well, you had your chance. Well, first off, I don't believe that, and Jesus doesn't believe that. I love you he loves you. I care about you. I know it's traumatizing. I know it hurts. There are things that have been exposed this week. You do not believe. You guys live in your own little this has been teen camp. But for those of us in leadership, dude. There's been uproar. He said what? I just read to you the Bible. There's things that the Holy Spirit is uncovering in your life that we look at in the Word. That if you don't let him in now, you're going to go deeper in that. Seriously, you're just going to go deeper in that. And it becomes harder to pull. Yet there's more damage. There's more trauma. Respond. Two quick things. When I became a Christian in 1995, I went to college that next, I was in June. I went to, I was a youth pastor immediately. I moved home. This is real confidential stuff. I moved back home and my mom was living with a guy and it was bad. She's Christian now, a wonderful woman. I have permission to share some of this, but all of it, most of it, don't tell her. It was hard home life. My dad was not around, obviously. Um, Couldn't move in there. It was drama. It was trauma. It was terrible. I ended up moving with an old lady in the church because I'd been on my own for years. And when God began to uncover, I went to Olivet. This is a 100% true story. And I started meeting, I started meeting people. That had dads that were involved in their life, who didn't abuse them, sort of meaning mothers who loved. And my first response I was angry. I was a- I was just angry, and I'm not kidding you. I was angry with my mom. My dad would be dead in a couple years. At that point, he was in a nursing home, and long story. But I was angry with my mom. And the Lord came to me, <laughs> listen to this, and I'm in chapel one day and the speaker came in and he said, he was preaching and he was preaching on forgiveness and he says, if you don't forgive, God can't forgive you. And I was like, I'm knocking that guy out after service. I'm taking him out. Because for me, forgiveness was just dismissing everything. It took me 10 years of healing. But here's what I didn't do. I didn't go, nope, not doing it. Why? Because I could stink and read it. Dude, it's there. It's, it's there. And I looked at him and I said, I, I was honest, I can't. I want to forgive. That's all you have to do. I give you permission to And here's the only thing I can say is within a year it happened and then it was some counseling and it was 10 years before it was fully okay to even be around my parents. Because I look back and I realized how terrible they were. They they chose immorality over me. They chose, that's, are you with me? They chose that stuff. Yeah, my dad, he chose messing around with women over me. Over being a dad to me, the position he put me and our family in—I mean, I was trauma. I was, I was, I was mad. I realized after becoming a Christian how much how, how sucky of a parent they were. I don't, I don't, I don't talk about this with adult stuff, and I don't normally talk about it at the beginning of the week. Because most people look at me and go, "Yeah, he's raised a Christ. no, I wasn't, dude." And I want you to be shocked when you look at me and go, "But you don't seem like that anymore." Because you can be different. And if you don't want to believe that, live your life, dude. Seriously, help yourself. But I'm telling you, in the name of Jesus, you can be a new creation. He's not a liar. God would not say, be holy as I am holy. Nah, just kidding. And not mean it. You can be different. So I could read the Bible and I knew about forgiveness, but I didn't know about forgiveness. You know, oftentimes we we read the Bible and we know what it says, but we don't know. One of my favorite illustrations on this is fear. The Bible says, don't fear. I know. Then why are you fearing? I don't know. Oh, God's got this situation, man. He's going to provide. You believe that? Yes. Then why are you stressed out? I don't know. You can know without knowing. You can know like information and not know. That's the ultimate difference between knowledge and experience. You can know something without knowing it. I want you to know. You know what what Paul writes? I want you to know. I want you to know him. And the wonder of who he is. Jesus said many on that day are going to say, Lord, Lord. Oh, I know about you. Yes, you're awesome. You're, I believe in you. And he's going to say, I never knew you. At least go read that passage. Those of you who think going to church and believing that exists makes you a Christian. He's going to say, many on that day are going to say, Lord, Lord. But not everyone says, Lord, Lord, gets in the kingdom of heaven. You have to know him. What's knowing? I know you. I'm experiencing you in my life. That Greek word for no is the word gonosco. I've experienced you. When Jesus says, I never knew you, he's saying, I never had any experience with you. I never lived life with you. You never let me in here to cure you. Having said that, second thing, take this in context. Don't check out on me. God does not send anyone ever to hell. He's never sent anybody to hell, and he'll never send anybody to hell. Now, immediately you're going to say, So no one's going to be in hell? No, there'll be a ton of people in hell. But God did not send them there. If you end up in hell, it's because you refused to let him save you. For God's... You ever heard John 3, 16? It's kind of a popular verse. For God so loved the world... No, let me say it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him doesn't have to perish, By the way, that's present tense. You don't have to live in agony and torment. We think of that you don't have to be like one day it happened. No, it's happening right now. You look at people and their lives are falling apart and they're living in misery. You do not have to live like that. You do not have to let. I'm telling you. Do it if you want to. If you want to. But you don't have to let the things that happen to you dictate how you live now. You just don't have to. I had a girl, a young little girl, come up to me and say, Okay, this week, and I'm, I'm protecting your virtue. So we talked in private, not telling your name. But she came to me and she said, Hey, I was abused as a child. Can I still be pure? Yes, completely. You could be just as pure as anybody else. Why? Because that doesn't define you. He defines you. When you come into a relationship with Jesus, you can be healed. You're called a new creation. If you don't believe that, it's because you don't want to. You can just go read it. You could be a new creation. You could be born again. You're not damaged goods. You're just not. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, they don't have to live in torment. They don't have to perish. But they can have everlasting life. For God did not, verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. What does that mean? God did not send Jesus to judge and condemn you. We're in an age, the church age, where God doesn't condemn anybody. That's hard for people to believe. What about Hitler? Doesn't condemn him. Hitler had the opportunity of turning and, and repenting up until the moment he took his own life. God does not condemn anybody. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. And Then he goes on in verse 18. But if you choose not to believe you stand condemned already. What does that mean? When Jesus comes to you, here's the ultimate thing. I've had some of you come up to me and say, "Well, this is how I feel. This is who I am." So you're saying I can't be a Christian. It's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying God's coming to you saying, "Inside of you, how you feel about yourself, how you see yourself, that's not how I see you. That's you're not right. You're you're I want to you're twisted. You've been hurt. I want to redeem you. I want to cleanse you. I've got a dream for you." Will you let me? And when you say no, you're saying I'm not letting you save me. Christianity's not a club, so you're saying I can't be a Christian? Dude, I'm not. I'm not president. <laughs> I'm not president of the club. He is. This is that's that's as simple the gospel message that there ever you'll ever hear. You can be different. The things I went through as a kid were horrifying. I'm new, I'm different. There are things I just do not pass on to my kids. I know I meet people, they go, I would never guess that because I'm, di- I've been, born. the old Jeremiah died. Seriously died. And I don't just know the scripture, I know him. I was in, uh, you want to hear a funny story real quick? Not funny, but kind of funny. I went to preach at this church in Iowa, won't tell you where, years ago, and the pastor that had been, he he lived in a parsonage, the house right behind, it's like the church owns the house, because you don't know what a parsonage is, he lived in the house right behind the church, and he had been caught having an affair, and he, it just, it was crazy, because I knew the guy, and it was a bigger church, and, but when it came out about him, all this stuff that had been hidden came out. And when they, when they, when they, the church let him go and he left, he stole a bunch of stuff, did damage, broke down walls. I mean, it was shocking. So the associate there called me and said, hey, Jeremiah, uh, are you booked next week? And I was, and I happened to have it off. And he said, we need healing. Would you come out and just love on us and minister to us? This is probably about 15 years ago. So I said, sure. So I said, but my wife can't come off to fly in. So I flew in and, uh. So I flew out there and, uh, I went to stay in there and I was in the basement where, cause it was interesting, they had this evangelist quarters in the basement and I was staying there and in the middle of the night, no one was living upstairs. In fact, I went upstairs when I first got there cause I'd been there before and it was all scaffolding and they were fixing and everything. And, and so we was kind of, you know, out of the city and, and so it was really just interesting. And, uh. So I end up going downstairs, I'm laying in bed. Lights are good. Let's just leave them like that. So I end up going downstairs and I, uh, I, go in, I crawl in bed to go to sleep, and I hear a door slam up, 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 upstairs. And I hear footsteps. I'm not psycho, I'm a normal dude. And I'm thinking, someone's up there. So maybe the, maybe someone came. Maybe the pastor came back. So I jump on, throw on some clothes. And I go to the door, and I open it up. I look upstairs, and it's pitch black. And I turn on the hall light. I walk upstairs. I'm like, hello? No one's there. So I go downstairs, and I shut the door, lock it. <laughs> and I'm afraid. And I'm 6'4", 230, was in the Marine Corps, know how to handle myself. And I go lay in bed. I hear a door slam. I know, dude. Dude. And it was a spirit of fear over me. And I, I responded aggressive. I didn't even put any clothes. I was like, it's team group messing with me. They're going to get the real Jeremiah. <laughs> I did, dude. I didn't put on a stitch. I just walked, opened the door, opened the door, walked, stepped out there. And I, and I turned on the light and I went and searched throughout the whole house. There was no one there. No. I don't lie. <laughs> so I came back downstairs, shut the door, called the bed happened again, and I begin to hear him speak to me, he says, do not fear, and I got up the, I did, I, I read it, and I walked over there, I opened the door, stepped in the hallway, and I said, I know who you are, and I do not fear you. I am under the blood of Jesus. Then I jump back in and slam the door, lock it, and all that kind of stuff. But there was a difference between, I know what the Bible says, but I'm experiencing what the Bible says. You're going to read the Bible. Oh, you could be born again. You guys know these verses. You should. I could be a new creation. Yeah, I know that. Do you, do you know that? Are you living that? You can be different. Jesus has come to you this week, and he's revealing stuff in you that's painful. I get it. And there's going to be emotion. There's going to be all this stuff. There's going to be, you know, there's going to be, ah. We want to walk you through that. I get it. In fact, I, I'm probably, I would probably say, even though we're on tape, we being recorded, I'd probably say, no matter what emotion you have, I get it, and I understand, and I'm not going to condemn you for it, because I have been there. And it's like ripping open a bandage and it's just this bleeding cancerous that Jesus says, I want to heal that. Because if you are not healed, you're gonna walk off. And I'm telling you, eventually he's gonna bring you back. Because your whole he wants to say he wants to save you. You have to let him. I want to tell you a story about this before because I I really want to get to those of you (laughs) to make that distinction, but those of you who are responding. Those of you who are praying and those of you who are going, I want in. I want to equip you. I want to, I want to show you in the scriptures what he says about you. For the person that lets him in, dude, how he wants to use you is insane. And he wants to use you in your generation. We've got to move on. If you want to be different tonight, you can be. If you want to hold on, nope. I want Christianity on my terms. We love you. And we're going to love you this week. But you can do whatever you want to do. But if you want to let him in your life, he's going to get in every area of your life. He's going to get in your closet. He's going to get in your clothing. He's going to get in your music. He's going to get in your entertainment. He's pushy. Seriously. He's like a stalker. He's stalker Jesus. He just stalks you. Seriously, he's nosy, pushy. Why? Because he loves you. He loves you. I want to share with you tonight, and if you brought your Bibles, you can use them. And we're going to pull them up on the screen. And we don't have my translation, which is really the translation I want to use tonight. But I want to look with you into the book of James. And I just want to look you actually at one person, but it's going to take a while to get there. I want to look with you at, the, at one of my heroes. Dude, this is the best story ever. She is my favorite person in all scripture. Her name is Rahab. Because she's my story. She's why I became a Christian. She she saw. She saw the life she wanted to have, and believed that Jesus could give it to her. That's the story of Rahab. I'm giving you the sermon in a nutshell. She she saw the life, the peace, the joy, the acceptance that she wanted in God. And said, "Okay, I'll take it." And He gave it to her. It's that simple. When you come into the book of James, there's always a background. One of the greatest problems we've had in the church, especially from, from, from preachers and from people who say they're Christians but don't read the Bible and don't know what they're talking about, is they take the Bible out of context. Well, doesn't the Bible say this? I don't know. Does it? You should know. So we take things out of context. The context of James, if you were to look at the very first verse of James, okay, we have the guy. And you say, well, who's James. Do you know who James was? This is hysterical. James is the half brother of Jesus. He wasn't a disciple. He wasn't a believer in Jesus during Jesus' entire earthly ministry. He was, of course, we know that Mary was born, Immaculate Conception. Okay? Father was God. A little hard for Joseph to believe at first until the angel came. They have a baby, Jesus. And then after Jesus is born, they start cranking out them kids. Okay? James was one of them. James was one of their kids, probably the oldest of the group. So he was Jesus' half-brother. In other words, James' dad was Joseph. Jesus' dad was the father. So they grew up together. Could you imagine growing up with Mr. Goody Two-Shoes Jesus? Oh, it's never Jesus' fault. You know? Seriously. I totally, I mean, that would have been horrible. That would have been wonderful. I mean, Jesus, okay? But it probably would have been hard. So James wasn't a big fan. And I think it's hysterical. If you go throughout the Gospels and read them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, just go read them. James wasn't a big fan. None of his brothers really liked him. That's That's crazy. Sometimes you think, like, well, if you, man, everybody just must have loved Jesus. No. People don't want to hear truth, dude. People don't want to hear truth wasn't Jesus' fault they didn't like him. People don't want to hear the truth. All throughout, Je- in fact, John chapter 7, which we won't go through, was the most prominent aspect where Jesus gets an outright argument with his brothers. They're all going down to the temple for the, for the feast of the Jews, uh, tabernacles. And um, Jesus says, listen, you guys go. I'm not going. And they're pressuring him, and he says, listen, I'm not like you. What motivates you does not motivate me. What draws you does not draw me. I'm not going. See ya. Big family drama. James was in that group. Paul tells us, though, that after Jesus died and he rose from the dead, he actually rose from the dead and appeared to several people. James was one of them. <laughs> Could you imagine that? James appearing to him. say like, I told you I was right. <laughs> Radically changed this guy. James became the leader of the early church became a profound, a profound, in fact, if you look at the, at the beginning of James, he says, James, and uh, what does it say? I don't have my Bible open. A servant, a servant of God and of, the Lord Jesus Christ. and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. That's what I was getting at. You say 12 tribes, two things. Who's James writing to? James is writing to the global church of his day. This is 10 years after the death of Jesus, one of the first books written, and he's writing to the whole entire church of his world. That's the, that's the platform God gave this guy. He's, he, in the book of Acts, you find that James is the head. Like All the disciples report to him. Paul says when he comes down to Jerusalem, he goes to James first. So I'm just giving you a picture. This is who this guy is. He's tremendous. One thing about James Is And also you see it. It says that if you're looking at your Bibles, it says James He's writing to the 12 tribes. You're like that sounds Jewish. That's because When James was writing, Jerusalem hadn't been destroyed yet and most of the Christians on the face of the planet were Jews They were Jews Gentiles don't come along really until after Paul gets really going Okay, so James is writing to the Jewish church of his day and the jewish church of his day is struggling with legalism what's legalism law and rules i'm a christian because i do these things that's old stu- old old testament what's new testament new testament is inside stuff so what makes you a christian here, here what makes you a child of god Is not because you come to church not because you read your bible not because you believe he exists or he's awesome Not because you believe everything he says what makes you a christian is that he comes down and lives inside of you and changes you In fact paul will go on to say that you're a real jew if you're one inwardly Because he wants to transform who you are Christianity is about inward transformation, which is why I love the book of james Book of James is about inward transformation. So the first chapter of James he goes after that We're gonna be looking tonight in chapter 2 So chapter 1 if you want if you want to know this and I think it's important Chapter 1 of James is the message. It's the message. The early church was preaching for the first 10 years after Jesus death Okay, it's what they believed when you come into chapters 2 through 5 You're dealing with issues in the church the very first issue he talks about, I, I dealt with this at camp meeting, so we're just going to survey it real quick. The first issue is chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, he deals with sin, and he, he, he talks about it with this really weird word, favoritism. Sin is favoritism. Now, really quick, every culture uses language different differently than other cultures ages age groups use language different than other age groups i loved going to churches and watching the senior adults listen to how you talk they're like i think they're speaking english he's on fire well put the poor kid out they, they seriously they're like you know i was watching and that came actually from a from a kid who's like talking about uh, this, was watching this basketball game over uh, Thanksgiving last year, and he's like, "Dude, he's on fire!" And my grandma was like, "Really?" <laughs> i was like, "Sir, come on, grandma." So, different age group, okay. So every age group, people use people use language differently, okay. When you use language, though, even that culture, there's a shred of like. For instance, basketball guy, he's shooting, he's hitting it over and over and over, he's on fire. If he misses over and over, he's gone. That's language we use. And there's tons of examples of that. Um, Favoritism was a term that they used. Stay with me. This gets really good. Favoritism is a term they use to describe sin. The word favoritism doesn't mean, it doesn't mean the same thing as we use it. Like when I think of favoritism, I have a favorite food, I have a favorite you know, band, I have a favorite activity, I have a favorite pastime. We have all kinds of favorite stuff. Favorite friend, my best friend, that's how we use favorite, the word favorite. That's not how they use the word favorite. Favoritism in the Greek is actually two words put together. It's favor and outward countenance. Hear this, favor and outward countenance. So to sin is to favor someone on the outward. Meaning, and the illustration he uses in chapter 2, is if a rich person comes in and a poor person comes in, and you favor the rich person and not the poor person, you sin. Because you favored that person because of their outward. Yeah, I like you because you're good looking. Or I like you because you have money. I like you because you're popular or you're athletic or you're famous. God does not see you that way. Are you with me? Now listen to what James is actually saying to the church of his day. He's saying, God does not honor outward activities. I I do. I meet people and they think they're Christian because they show up to a building on Sunday. Come on. I told you guys the first night, you can go to church on Sunday and yet not go to church. You You can give money and not tithe. You can sing and not worship. I'm telling you, I've seen teenagers, not you guys, but I've seen teenagers who it would appear they're more excited about worship than they're excited about worshiping Jesus. These are two different things. God looks at the motive of the heart. Why? Because again, what's Christianity? Christianity is an inside transformation. So, what is sin? Sin is not an outside activity. Sin is an inside deal. That's why, if you remember what we talked about this week already, Jesus says, you've heard it said, do not kill or do not murder. I tell you, don't hate. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. Don't sleep around outside of marriage. But I tell, which is true. Don't sleep around outside of marriage. But you know where that begins? By lusting. Get this. I meet teenagers in your age group who are sleeping around, having sex before marriage, and it's okay. That's so far removed from Jesus. He not only says, don't do that, but don't even think about it in your mind. <laughs> You're all like, Yes. Why? Because you're supposed to see. Remember girls? Pure. They're not objects. We're going to talk about the men tomorrow morning. You're supposed to see each other the way he sees. Dude, Christianity is, is literally wonderful and easy when you allow yourself to be transformed. If, it, it, if I'm telling you, if your Christian walk is, oh, and you're struggling every day, and why do I? What are you struggling with? Well, I really want to do this. Have you ever asked him to just absolutely transform you? Have you ever said to Jesus, I give you permission to crucify this in me. I don't want to feel this way. Transform. I hear a lot of people say, well, can't he just accept it? This is who I am. Yeah, I, I treat people as objects. He just, that's just how I am. See, favoritism, sin is I refuse to deal with the inside stuff. That's the whole context of that. God does not look at the outward. You're not supposed to look at the outward. It's the inside aspect of the heart. Now, he expands this when you get into chapter 2, verses 14 to the end of the chapter. And he says this. Listen to this. It's, again, it's the same thing over. Chapter 2, verse 14. And we might even have this on the screen if you guys want to. But if you have your Bibles open, you can look at it. Here's how my translation reads. What good is it, my brothers, and it might say brothers and sisters, which is great, what good is it, my brothers, if a man claims, listen to this, what good is this? If a man claims to have faith, claims to have faith, but has no deeds, can such faith save him? Well, you would say, well, hold on, what's James saying? Well, what good is it to claim to have faith if you have no deeds? Immediately you'd say, well, what he's actually saying then, dude, works is actually the correct translation. If you have no works, can such a faith like that save him? Which means if you claim to have faith, you have to have works. What's works? You know what's neat, the word works? We take it as like outside activities. That's not how they viewed works. Works is an inside drive term. We use it in our culture. We do use it like that in our culture. We talk about the young man who wants to make the football team his sophomore year so all summer he works at it what are we describing with that word we're describing literally the discipline the hunger the drive what's what's motivating him to limit everything in his life and the training he's working at it i'm working at it not describing activities he's describing drive here's what he's saying what good is it if a person claims to have faith but their heart's not in it can such faith save him? In other words, I go to church, but I really don't want to be there. This is hysterical. I was at this church last fall. This is 100% true. This guy comes in, comes in the back the back door his, with his wife and kids. I end up hearing him argue later because she wanted to come back for the rest of the services, and he didn't want to be there. So he comes in, but the first service before I heard all that, he comes in, sits down in the back, up against the wall, pulls his hat down, and goes to sleep Promise. She comes up and sits down. After the service, I go out and meet him, and she's like, you know, and I hear him talking, and I want to come back. And, and I come up, and I'm like, hey, what's going on? And she's like, puts me in this awkward position. I want to come back this week, but he doesn't want to. And here's what he said. He goes, hey, I came this morning. And I looked at him, and I said, uh, no, you didn't, because I was bigger than him. Couldn't do anything about it. <laughs> and I was like, listen, I'm not going to lie to you. Are you listening to me? I'm not going to lie to you. He said, I came this morning. I said, no, you didn't. He said, you weren't here, dude. He just looked at me. I said, you, you were sleeping. You want to hear a better one? This is a true story. True story. I was in college, and I got asked to go in Indianapolis to peach, preach for this huge church. I'm this young guy, and they asked me to come preach. I was preaching, wanting to preach everywhere. And why I was preaching is they were having a pastors and wives retreat, and they were all going out of town. So they were getting fill-ins, and they didn't have anybody else, so they got a college student. So I drove down from Olivet to this church and was preaching on Sunday morning. Well, what ended up happening is another pastor and his wife, this is hysterical, this church was huge. There were like six, six, six or 700 people. It was in like a stadium. You know, I stand up to preach. I'm like, dude, this is awesome. I'm like, you know, and go after it. Well, another pastor had been coming through he lived in another state He was going through on vacation and they were going to like South Carolina is what I end up finding later But hey, you got to go to church on Sunday So he's dressed up in a suit and tie and his wife and daughter are not pastors his wife and his daughter Well, I get up to preach and I turn and they're sitting like 10 rows back And he's sitting there and she's got this were back the day like this was in college so This is back when they still had newspapers. You know what a newspaper is, right? This, you'd be surprised. So this lady has this newspaper open with her and her daughter. You've, I, you've probably heard me tell this before because I've been in Fort Worth forever. But she, they're reading this newspaper. They said, she's right there in front of everybody. And I turned around and I went, you have got to be kidding me. You're reading a newspaper? And everybody was like, Pfft. and she like folded it. And I remember she gave me this dirty look. I was like, I ain't your husband. I don't care. You can boss him around, but you can't boss me around. (laughs) It was awesome. They never had me back. But the point was, I just, well, we got to go to church on Sunday. You didn't go to church on Sunday. Come on, man. See, don't tell me you you love teenagers if you're not willing to have the difficult conversations with them. I'm just going to be frank with you. I'm more concerned about being the voice of Jesus in your life than being your friend. I'm not your friend. I love you. And I'm I'm under charge by God in love to tell you the truth. In fact, I'm willing to walk with you as long, especially those who are in my life, at home, their youth at home. I'll walk with you through whatever you have to go through. I give you permission to scream, yell, be mad, kick, flip things over. Dude, just like my mom. So, uh, you missed it. That was a joke. But, uh, (laughs) dude, I give you you permission to just, I understand. It's her, all this stuff is coming up. But it needs to come up. I Care about you man. I'm telling you I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling I'm not on a power trip. I'm telling you the truth What good is it if you claim that I'm a christian I have faith But your inside stuff is broken That you just show up to a building on sunday and you live an entirely different life with your friends at school come on And you want to get even real and tell you and this is what we're going to talk about tomorrow for those of you Who are the real deal? When you're around friends at school and you're petrified because you don't know what to say. You don't want to turn them off. You don't want them to think you're a bigot or a hater. And you don't, you're hiding your faith. You're like, that's such, it's, it's, I I meet Christian, young, young teens who are Christians who are, and they're petrified of living in that world. It doesn't give you permission to check out. That's not love. Love is difficult conversations. It is. I love you enough to say, "Listen, I can't talk, dude. I, this is not right." He wants more for you than this. That's what James begins. Now, here is what we're going to look at. All that was introduction, but it's really easy. If you come down to verse, <laughs> this is so good. How are we doing on time? Nine sixteen. We're good. He comes down. To verse I don't want you to look at this yourself if you have a verse 25 and he's giving examples Get this he's giving examples. This is so cool. I want this for us. I want this for me, but I want this for you He gives an example of someone who went through this change Have you guys ever heard the story of Rahab? If you've never heard it be honest, just raise your hand really high. I'll give you a quick synopsis. Basically, there's this chick and she's in Jericho. Seriously. And it's this pagan, and everyone in Jericho is going to die. Okay? They're, everybody's about to die. Israel's going to come in, there's going to be this war. Everyone dies. The place, the walls fall in. I'm talking everyone. Every animal, everything. And she hears rumors of it. The people really don't think that it's going to happen. In fact, you know, there's there's so many misunderstandings of this whole story, but well, she ends up, these spies end up sneaking in to scout out the area. They're two guys. And they come in and they stay with her. And I'll explain all that in a little bit. And she's like, hey, I want to go with you guys. When your people comes in, I want to go with your guys. And I've heard people say it's because Israel was so mighty that she knew they were. No, that's not true. That's not That's not what it was. But she ends up saying, I want to go. And they said, okay, hang this piece of scarlet out your castle or <laughs> whatever it was. This big wall with your house in the wall, it's a castle, hang this big piece of scarlet out, and when we come, you can jump out, and we'll save you. It's this really weird story. That's the Rahab. It's better than that, so you can go read it, but that's my synopsis. Do you know what really happened with this girl? It wasn't just people are going to come, and they're going to kill everybody, and I don't want to die. That's not the story. What's James been talking about? He's been talking about inward change. You mean Rehab at inward change? Yes. The story of Rahab begins, and if you research this, it's beautiful. By the way, do you know Rahab end up end up became? She married a leader of Israel, and out of her descendants, Jesus was born. Like like she's like Jesus' great 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 grandma. Former prostitute, transformed. For those of you who are in this room saying, "Hold on," God took a prostitute, and out of her family. Brought the Messiah because you can be a new creation if you want to be. Yeah, but I feel this way. You can feel different. You can be different. If you follow the story of Abraham, it's tr- it's tragic. She was sold as a prostitute as a little girl. The king of Jericho was a horrible, deplorable, ungodly, heathen man who had a thing for little young girls that's what scholars tell us and so they took in these girls as these concubines and just from their families and would pay their families for them and the families that that whole nation was so ungot so out there they would sell their daughters to make money and he would use them until they got to a certain age and then they were older and not as desirable and he would kick them out and then go get other young girls And so scholars tell us probably in her late teens or early 20s, she was kicked out, and her family wouldn't have her because she was a prostitute, because she was used. No man would want her, and they don't want to support her. So they would oftentimes, the only way they could make a living is to be a prostitute. So what Rahab ended up doing is she went to a brothel, and all the language, if you were to go back and look at it, and I've got sermons. That, you go to jeremiahbullock.com, and you go to my podcast. i got a sermon on this out of James, a big old long hour, long thing just on Rahab. But she basically goes, and she starts this brothel house. And it's the only way she can survive, where she takes, she's a good woman. She takes, she's a prostitute, but she, she's a good person. And she takes in these girls And she's given them a place to live, and and it's the only way all of them can survive. But it's just like they're surviving together, and the men of the community come in and use them, and it's horrible. So in the midst of this establishment, two spies from Israel sneak into the city, and where do they want to go? They want to go to the fringe area of community where they're not going to be scrutinized. Because when the people, scholars tell us that when... You read scholars on all this history on this. When men would go to these establishments, they would like put their hoods up. It was a it was a disgraced place. They didn't want their wives to know. They didn't want people to see them. So they spies fit right in, and and it says the spies come into the house, but they don't, they don't look at the prostitutes the way the people of Jericho looked at the prostitutes. And you go back and read that story, and it's this beautiful story of men who come into the house and they view women differently. And Rahab saw the men. It had nothing to do with powerful Israel to come in, because Israel wasn't that powerful. Their God was. She looks at these men and says, does every man among your people view women Like that? Because the scriptures tell us these were godly. Caleb and Joshua were some of these guys. These were godly, upstanding. They they didn't view women as objects. Are you hearing me on this? And she sees a people who see differently. Who feel differently. Who don't look at you as a, a used. They see the way God sees. And she said... Your people are coming to fight. And there's nothing in the text. If you go back and read the Old Testament, there's nothing in the text that guarantees everything's going to be okay. But she says, when your people come, can I go with you? Why? Because I, I want to be a part of a people. I want to fight with a group of people that see women the way you see women. And so she hanged the scarlet. And God rescued her and it's interesting get this look at the story in the same way Was it Rahab the prostitute also? Justified you know what that word is in the original language is righteous Think about that I've heard scholars talk about this and, and, and people in my opinion they don't get to the point How was she considered righteous by hiding spies and holding out the that seems so outside well, what's James been talking about? It's inside. You know what real righteousness is? Here's what, here's what righteousness is. Righteousness, all it means to be righteous is you look at God and say, I want to see myself the way you see myself. You, the, uh, start over. I want to see myself the way you see me. I believe what you say about me. And do that. You see me like this? Make me like that. That's Christianity. That's all it is. This is this is the good news. The good news in a statement: Abraham believed, and it was credited to him by his righteousness. That's back in verse twenty-one, by the way, of this same chapter. You mean all all it means to be all it all all it takes to be righteous is to believe? Yes. God comes to you and says, "I can." Like this morning, you girls. There's girls that are coming to me, going, "I mean, I can really be pure." Yes. How do I do that? Believe. You're like, I don't understand. Believe. Yeah. Say Jesus, what Jeremiah said yesterday or this morning, what he's talking about tonight, you can really make me like that? Do it. Christian. He enters into your life. The transformation starts. That's all Christianity is. Man, eh, I'd rather just go to church. That's called Religion. That's called religion, not into that. Oh, you don't go to church? No, 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 I I don't go to church, I go to church. I don't just sing, I sing, I worship. I just, I want to be the person you say that I am. That was my story. Jeremiah, before you were born, I knew you. And I had a plan for your life. And Jeremiah, it's not always going to be comfortable. In fact, there's going to be areas of your life that I'm going to have to untwist because that's not part of my plan. Okay. You can do whatever you want to do, that's risky. Whatever you want to do. Stick your fingers in my life, have at it. I'm 100% open. I want you to respond. I want you to respond so bad. My favorite people I've had these stories people come to me all the time and say Jeremiah the rags to riches your story of abuse and all this getting saved that's those are the my favorite stories of salvation those aren't those aren't mine. My favorite stories are the people that have been going to church their whole life and finally get saved. A couple years ago, I was at a church where a board member got saved. i am telling you the truth. And stood up and testified. He's different. He'd yell and scream and slam his fist and all this stuff. He knew about church. He just didn't know him. I want, none of you are bad, evil people. I would assume at some level you all go to church somewhere. But do you know him? Will you let him change you? Seriously. I see you're pointing to this. I give you permission to change me. I just trust you. I know what your you, you I know what your Bible says. This isn't just not correct behavior. You can change me. I'm not going to watch those kind of things anymore. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to I'm going I'm going to apologize to my girlfriend and say, "Listen, I've been wrong. That stops right now." And I'm going to honor you. I'm going to come under the Scriptures' direction in terms of sexuality. I'm going to hear I hear you change me. I'm going to deal with hurt in my life instead of just going on and not deal with it. Because it's going to fester. You're going to pour that on your kids one day. It's going to fester in the middle of your marriage. You'll end up dealing with it now or in 30 years. It's going to come out. You just can't put a band-aid over something. He wants to save you. Would you let him? Would you let him? Aaron's gonna Aaron's gonna come, I think, and we're gonna have a time of prayer. And again, I don't know this is the right language, you may use different, but I feel a release in here. I feel release. And I guess what I mean by that, I do. I really feel like there are times in my life where the Lord has talked to me about things for so long, He's like, I'm just not gonna pressure you. Make a decision. Make a decision, son young lady young man make it make a decision it's painful I get it I don't understand everything I get it but you'll hear him you'll feel him I want to be very selectful on who comes forward tonight if your friend comes down unless they say you're coming with me that's fine but I let's 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 just not Let's give some room to pray tonight last thing I, we got legal custody of a boy about uh, this last January and uh, it's been really hard inner city kid we, my wife fell in love with him and I fell in love with him but she's the one who first identified and came to me and said I believe the Lord honey I believe the Lord wants us to bring this boy in our home and i was like oh, we're i'm poor i don't make a lot of money i can't afford to feed and clothe and house inner city kids name is javion but we took him in and i just followed my wife's leading because she's so anointed i fell in love with him Took him to the den- he went to the dentist for the he's 15 he'll be 16 in November he went to the dentist for the first time in thir- in uh, in his whole life in March. He had 13 cavities, and he has a tooth that's black, that died, that's broken half. And he said, "I said, doesn't that hurt?" and He said, "Yeah, but my mom just wouldn't take me. She's too concerned about drinking and drugs." I've really struggled with bitterness towards that woman. And it's hard because Jesus is saying, Lover. And I'm like, Glover? No, show compassion. Trashing? What are you saying, Jesus? I'm really struggling with that. Seriously, it's not easy. Lord's been opening my eyes, and she's just so broken. She's been used and abused and trashed, and she's making horrible self-centered decisions about her son. But she's just simply had no one that ever loves her. I would have never seen that if I was not open to him. The only time she calls is when she's drunk. Hey, boo be like, I'm coming for you. But I have to take that and set that aside and go, how do you see her? Do you know how hard that is when you see someone you love being hurt? Jesus, I want to see in the name of Jesus. I confess there are so many times I don't see the way you see, not for show, not for in front of teen stuff. I don't oftentimes see initially the way you see. You have to reach down and nudge me. And then even when you nudge me, I want to see the way that I see. I want justice. I want to fuel that anger. I give you permission to break into my life and give me a love for Nakia give me your, the love you have she, you created her to be your daughter let me hurt for her the way you hurt for her let me hurt for Javion the way you hurt for Javion I'm going to allow you to bring all of my anger to death it's the hardest thing I've ever done don't mess with my kids man Don't mess with my kids. But I, I, you're my God. You're my Father. I want to see the way, because I know Jesus, if I respond out of the flesh, I'm going to make a mess of things. Because you're truth. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I, I plead with you. I plead with you. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Listen, if you approached me, would you at least respond and say, Jesus, I give you permission. I just give you permission to move in this area of my life. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And if you want to take me up on that, will you let him in? some of you that are dealing with relationships that are not godly would you let him in on those would you at least get his opinion come on he's talking to you do you want to come this is so huge I'm telling you don't miss your moment you can come you can come and pray I'm talking to you you can come and pray do you feel him speaking to you some of the things you've been getting some, you've been talking with some of us counselors. I don't, I, I don't even know the names of everybody. I don't even know the faces. I've been talking to so many of you about so much stuff. I, you guys all blur together, to be, to be honest with you. Some of you have some home lives that you've been sharing and you've been, it's just so hard. You can come and say, Jesus, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go from here. I'm embarrassed. Some of you are like, I got a sex drive, I can't manage. Prayed with a kid three weeks ago at a church whose parents wanted him to go. This is this is crazy. Wanted him more than he wanted. They wanted him to continue to play football because he's a he's a phenom, but he didn't want to play it. He said, "I feel like God's leading me in the opposite direction. What should I do?" I said, "Follow God." He goes, "You're telling me to disobey my parents?" I said, "Nope. I'm telling you to follow God." I told you to go home and tell your tell your dad, "Hey, it's not God's will that I play football." That's real. some of you girls I've I've looked at you this week you're beautiful but you get your identity from your beauty would you come and lay that down seriously would you come and lay that down I don't have to look beautiful all the time for some of us popularity it's the I just put this on Instagram today Popularity is more important to me than anything else. You will sacrifice your relationship with Jesus over the popularity of the world. The opinions of my peers matter to me more than your opinion of me, Jesus. See, this is the stuff we're talking about. These are all strongholds of the enemy. These are all lies where the enemy comes and he gets a hold You guys are awesome I appreciate you for considering let me pray with you Lord I pray that you would surround those father in the name of Jesus you you tell me I have the right I can boldly enter your throne room and I, I plead on behalf I, I plead on behalf of those if there are any it may not be but I pre I, ple, I plead Jesus the blood on behalf of those who are not responding That you would buffer you would limit the pain you would limit the damage the collateral damage you would limit you would buffer the choice to not let you in that area protect them Lord protect the movement of the enemy in their life protect the total deception protect the corruption Reserve opportunities to respond. Reserve opportunities for freedom. Pour your grace. Father, I'm so in love with how you love us. I am astonished by how much you love us. I am blown away by how much you care for us. It's unbelievable. It's staggering. I shouldn't say it's unbelievable. It's virtually unbelievable. It's theoretically impossible. And yet it is. There's no greater love than this. It's astonishing. So we love you tonight, Jesus thank you for putting a hedge of protection over the child of god who wants to be the vessel i pray you would prepare us tomorrow morning and tomorrow night the last two services that you would equip those it's a scary thing to be a daughter and son of god in this day and age it's not for the faint of heart Jesus, we're going to have to be all in. So I pray you would just be really specific tomorrow on what you want to do in our lives. Give us, give us guidance from the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Amen. I apologize for praying so long. Hey, let's uh, have a time of prayer and worship. And if you want to have a chance to chat, I'll be walking around. Or if you want to have a chance to uh, with a, you know, speak with a counselor, I'm, we're here. Let, you guys have been so patient. Okay. I really appreciate you. I love you. Are we good? Are you okay? Everybody good? Okay. I love you guys. Um, let's tell him how much we love him. And in a few minutes, um, Gary's going to come, or maybe it'll, uh, it'll be one of the other counselors, but we'll close in a few minutes. So let's just, let's just kind of have an attitude, uh, atmosphere of prayer, and um, let's tell him how much we love him.